Welcome to Robogs. This is the In Conversation series, and boy, oh boy, do we have some basketball royalty that is, um, I've been lucky enough to get him online. He's not the most tech-savvy guy at times, but I've got him online. One of the all-time greatest coaches in Australian basketball history, in my opinion. I'm going to run through the teams before I welcome him real quick so people can get a feel for who it is. Now, he was a player for the Melbourne Tigers in the 70s and 80s, 77 to 85, um, started as an assistant coach in Australia with the Geelong Supercats in the um, the late 80s. Then went on to, or mid to late 80s, sorry, excuse me. Then went on to the East Side Spectres, the Southeast Melbourne Magic, Victoria Titans, Sydney Kings, South Dragons, Dong Guang Leopards, went over to China, Guangdong Southern Tigers, um, um, the Flying Tigers, I'll let you pronounce that. And, and presently of the Illawarra Hawks, Brian Gorgian, welcome to Rogue Bogues. Nice to be on, Bogues. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, there was Dong Guan Tigers, and then there was Guan Dong Tigers, and it's like the Clippers Lakers, and uh, we could, we could, <laughs> one of the funniest stories I'll, I'll, uh, I can ever, you know, like as, as basketball goes, do you want to hear it on those two names? Go for it. Sorry, yeah, it was Dong Guan Leopards and Guang Zhong Southern Tigers, correct? Yeah, so I get uh, the the thing with the Dragons finishes up, the Beijing Olympics finish. I come back, I do the Dragons, the Dragons ceases. I'm doing a clinic down in uh, Dongguan for one of the sponsors from the Kings um, had a, a guy that owned a team down there and he wanted me, he'd seen the Olympics, wanted me to come down there and work for some of the kids. So I'm working for, working with, with these guys, that situation happens with the with uh the dragons and so i get offered a situation down there and it's a it's a good offer and uh i take it and once i i sign with this team i get uh, uh contacted right away because they knew my background come down it was it was the off season and the national team was training and they said you know come on down uh you know we want you to help with the, you know, the national program, you're aware of, you know, national basketball, you can help us, you know? So I roll in, I'd, I'd arrived, I hadn't done one day with our team yet, you know, and I get sent straight down to Beijing. Um, and I arrived there and they have this huge training facility and I walk in and there's not one Western person there. No, no, you know, nobody like we're club teams. You got your imports, you got, uh, people at work on staff, translators and stuff. There's, there's Western people around weight coaches and stuff. This is completely Chinese. And the one guy I can, I can recognize and it, it was Yi. So, and he speaks obviously what he speaks really good English anyway. So we, we, you know, I say, hello, we start doing the, the practice and the training stuff. And I, you know, and I ask, you know, the starting Zufong Yu, you know, uh, Defond, uh, you know, all, all their stars, you know, the, the starters and everything, they can speak as we go on, just communicate a little bit. And, you know, what my, the comment is, where do you play? And they go, oh, we play for Guangdong, you know, and then Yi, we play for, you know, or talk to play for Guangdong. So, you know, six or seven of these guys, the starting five 
were all Guangdong. And I'm thinking, you know, I got a, a huge thing. I mean, it, it's a great situation contract wise if you win it. And I'm looking, I'm going, we got the whole national team. So I said to Yi, I go, God, I, I'm so happy I'm with you and uh, we could win this whole thing. And he goes, coach, we've won it for nine years solid. And he goes, and, and you're not with us. You're with Dong Guan. <laughs> and I go, Dong Guan. And it's like, you know, uh, the, the, the Phoenix in United, you know, they're, they're both in the same city. They, they, they go at each other, but one's like out of 20 teams, they'd finish like 16th and this team had won it nine years ago. So it was a funny story. You know, I thought, you know, when I sit, I thought, man, I got, I'm, I'm, I got this championship walking in, but now I'm with the, the bottom side. <laughs> of China. Welcome to China. But I want to go through, I want to pump you up a little bit more um, as we, as we intro you. So six time NBL champion, 92, 96, 03 to 05 and 09. Six times NBL coach of the year, 92, 97, 98, 02, 08, 09. You've won five, well, this was at time of print, um, 511 games at a winning percentage of 70%. Your record exceeds that of Australian coaching legends in other major major professional leagues, Kevin Sheedy, Alan Jeans, Tom Hafey, David Parkin, Wayne Bennett, and Tim Sheen. So esteemed company there, um, NBL Hall of Famer, voted in 2003, numerous other awards. Um, but some, some other stuff that I found interesting, which we'll get into now is you're known for your intense coaching style, obviously contrasting the laid back style of your early mentor and Lindsay Gaze, which we'll get to shortly, who brought you out to to Australia, I believe. Um, former assistant coach Bill Thomason says the detail he paid to defense was notable, as was the emphasis on strength and conditioning, which often made Gorge and coach teams the fittest in the league. But there was one tidbit that I did not know about you, Gorge. It said, you sat down for your first six games of your career as a coach, sat down on the bench, and you lost all six, <laughs> and apparently you've been standing ever since. Is that right? Correct. So uh, a funny side to one of the, uh, you know, as, as you talk about, you know, where I've been in, in the lead-in, uh, a piece that's met when I, I did start with the Geelong Supercats. Uh, I was playing, and uh, one of my closest friends, a guy named Casey Jones, was playing for Boleyn. And um, he got named the head coach of Geelong the year I retired. So he moved, you know, he said, I, you know, I want you to come along. We knew each other. We, we, I came to Australia, brought Bruce Palmer. Uh, Al Westover was a connection of Bruce Palmer's. And then um, a friend of both mine and Bruce's was a guy named Casey Jones. And he came across. So we were all connected. And Casey ended up when he you know, getting from Boleyn, getting the Geelong job. And he became a player. And um, then they brought Kenny Richardson in as the head as the head coach. And I was Kenny's assistant because they felt I was way too inexperienced for a job like that. And uh, at the end of the season, um, you know, I, I played the summer with the Melbourne Tigers because I'd retired with them and I just went back and was playing. And Lindsey Gay said there was an opening as a head coach. The, the SCABL was expanding and um, they were adding Ballarat, Albury, Wodonga, Bendigo. And he said the Ballarat job's open. So, um, you know, I, he introduced me to Peter Eddy. I went up to Ballarat and anyway, I, I coached there for two years. 
uh, my first two years as head coaching experience. And my first import was Eric Cooks, obviously Xavier's father and longtime player and, and coach. He was my first um, import being brought out. And when I started um, coaching, that just just naturally, I was just my, my personality. I was just a, a ball of energy. And I, I, I stood and I walked up and down the sidelines and drank the Coke and, you know, arms flailing. And I, I never, ever sat down. And then when I got after the two year period, I got appointed uh, coach to the, the Spectres. And, uh, you know, along we, we had a, a very like when we started with the Boomers, uh, Andrew, we, we it was like um, a total rebuild. I got appointed coach. Everybody left. We had tryouts. We had a really young team. And uh, we started in the preseason tournament back then, the Kmart Classic. And uh, we lost every game in the Kmart Classic until the last game. I think we played Geelong, who was coached by Bill Runchy, And we were both starting as young coaches. He lost his job after that game. Um, he lost all the games in the Kmart Classic. They replaced him. We beat them only. And then we started the league and we were 0 and 6. And my mindset um, when I was was to change my style and become, you know, look more sophisticated, looked more under control. It was like a, a conscious effort to be, you know, like you got some brains in your head, you know, and not be so uh, so animated and be under control. And I sat there and. um my wife, who knows me the best, um, knows that, you know, at home I have trouble sitting down. I'm not a desk guy. I'm, I'm, I'm on my feet. And she said to me, you know, you know what? You need to be yourself. You need to, you know, go back to who you are and not try to be uh, something you're not. And uh, from that point, uh, you know, I, I to this day, I haven't sat down for for a second uh, coaching in in uh, domestic basketball. Yeah, it's an interesting tidbit that I haven't heard before. Um, that you, you know you try to change what what worked for you, and we all know you always go back to what works. But look, you grew up in Glendale, California, a beautiful part of the world. Wife Amanda, and you've got a, a now older daughter. What, what's your daughter's name again? Gemma. Gemma, yeah, and then based in Melbourne, and um, played on played on the basketball team at Crescenta Valley High School. Your brothers were all you know involved in basketball. Your father was the coach there. So obviously basketball pedigree runs in the family, went went to Pepperdine, the Pepperdine Waves. But I want to know about your journey to Australia. How did that initially all come out? Because you came out to play for the Melbourne Tigers, correct? And they were they were not a professional team when you first came out, right? Correct. I, ca I came um, – so it, it was a real – again, a, a funny story. At, at the start of every season in, in college, back in that in – that, era that time frame um you started every season with an exhibition game so one year we played athletes in action one year we played a team from slovenia one year we played a team from you know um wherever my senior year my last year we played a team from australia and i'll never forget i, I found out later it was it was some sort of club team out of newcastle and uh 
you know, we're warming up and in walks this team and it looks like, you know, ACDC rock band. You know, it, it, they look like rockers. They got the mullets down to the middle of their back. They're wearing Ugg boots, jeans, and they come walking in. And back then, you know, you weren't allowed any facial hair. Uh, it was a, a Church of Christ school. You know, if, you're, if your hair was over your ear, um, you know, the dean had come, you know, you need to go get a haircut. You know, you had to be manicured. There were strict, strict rules. And these guys walked in and um, we played them, um, beat them comfortably. But um, you could tell they were having a blast and uh, lo loving the trip, friendly on the court, uh, fun. Uh, after the game was over, we had that like sponsor stuff that you do down. It was in Malibu Beach down at the pizza place where the sponsors would come, the cheerleaders, both teams. And they come rolling in and these guys are drinking jugs of beer, you know, chasing the girls, uh, having a blast. And we all hung and had a great time with them. And I remember my, my roommate was a guy named Howie Dalmar, whose dad at that time was the head coach of Stanford. And uh, he tapped me and he said, man, when the C I'd love to play on that team. <laughs> and, you know, we, we kind of all commented on what a great time, even though they were losing on this trip, they just seemed like great guys and a lot of fun. So um, season finishes, long story short, season finishes, and that guy, Howie Dalmar, has a going away party because he gets offered a, 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 a contract in Europe. And back then, um, it was very, very, uh, uh, very few guards went overseas. It, it's, and, and I'm not saying I was of that elk to to, to go to Europe back then, you know, uh, um, Spain, uh, uh, Germany, uh, Russia, the, 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 like the Euro league, uh, areas, though, though, those were the, the places that paid and it was always a big guy. And, uh, the guy that I'm talking about, my roommate was, a you know, like a, uh, a, a stretch for, uh, not a four man, about six, eight, 250, uh, really good player. And uh, I went to his um, going away. You know, we were close. So I, I go up to, uh, he, he, was, he lived in Atherton, you know, Menlo Atherton, and he played at a JC uh, that was famous back then um, uh, in Menlo. Um, and the coach was famous, a guy named Bud Presley. And so Bud's sitting next to me, we're talking about it. And I said, man, how he's so lucky. I'd love to, you know, I would love to play overseas. And he taps me and he goes, I just did clinics in Australia. And he goes, if I had a son, I'd send him there, you know, and I looked at him and I go, God, you know, cause it, it rang the bell of the game that we'd played leading into it. And I go, yeah, he goes, yeah, I, I know the national coach really well, Lindsay Gaze. And I go, I would love to go. I would love to go. So about two weeks later, he's the kind of guy, you know, he, he, he was that kind of man. He followed up on it. I got a message from Lindsey Gaze saying, you know, um, he'd have me. And the deal was back then, Andrew, Andrew, the, the imports, you know, you, you'd get 
<clears throat> some spending money at the end of the year, you know, to go have a trip or go. But virtually, it was like come and have an experience in Australia and and do um, your career. So, you know, I was, uh, you know, my my uh, I made I had physical education. I was going to be a teacher, maybe a high school basketball coach, that kind of pathway like my father. And they said, Lindsay said, hey, you come, we'll hook you up with an apartment, a place to live. You get to play on our basketball team and you get to pursue your career. So um, I I signed that thing. And, uh, you know, within a month had arrived in Australia, in Melbourne. <clears throat> and to be, um, I remember to this day, it was, you know, the first season finished. And as it finished and it got towards the end of the year, it was really hard to communicate to America because a phone call was unbelievably expensive, like unbelievably expensive. So, you know, you called every now and then. And I just remember picking up the phone and saying to my dad, you know, hey, I'm, uh, I'm not coming back. <laughs> this ain't, you know, I'm going to, this is going to be home. I, I knew it, Andrew, within w that, w within six months, I knew, I, I said, this is, this is, that's how much I liked it. I just, it, it was uh, America, when my dad came and, <laughs> and finished, uh, you know, he was coached at the end of his coaching career. He coached in Saudi Arabia. So I'd been in Australia five or six, seven years, whatever it was. And he stopped by on his on his way through back home. And uh, I'll never forget it. He you know, there was two comments when we were, you know, he came to a game and then went and saw everybody having beers afterwards and, you know, met Lindsey Gays, came to some practices, you know, walked around at Albert Park and, you know, came back to the house and he goes, you know what, this this is America without the shit. <laughs> he goes, it's just it's just and I thought to myself, you know, a good way, you know, no guns, no vi you know, it was just, you know, so clean, so pure. And, uh, you know, um, when he left. You know, he hugged me at the airport and as he got on the plane, he turned around. And he goes, I know why you stayed. So, uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, yeah, it it uh, back then, you know, the other thing about it is, is the imports, as I described to you, we weren't different than today's basketball or uh, the NBL. Now you, you weren't a hired gun. You know, it was, you know, you, that wasn't, you know, you worked. And everybody on the team worked and, um, you know, they were your mates. They were your friends. Um, you know, we hung out together. Uh, you know, the, the guy I was playing ahead of when I first got there, um, you know, I I played my first season and I'm there during the summer. And I get, you know, like, a you know, come come to my house for Christmas. And I'm thinking, shit, you know, like an, I'm playing ahead of you. You're sitting on the bench. I'm playing and you're inviting me to the American guy to your house for Christmas. And I get there for Christmas and it's the big Barbie with the, you know, the pig on the spit, the lamb on the spit. The, you know, there's a zillion people there drinking beer. It's sunny. You know, it's really hot. And I remember, OK, everybody in, you know, uh, presents under the tree, you know. So they start calling out names, hand and gifts. You know, I'm having a beer in the back, every clapping. And then, it, you know, Brian. And I'm like, 
you know, I turn and every, you know, everyone starts clapping and, you know, the father, you know, come on up, come on up. And they hand me like three presents. And I'm going, this is just, you know, you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, this place is crazy. It's just, uh, uh, the warmth was, was amazing. And then the, the, the last point on this, I think, is that there was a camaraderie, a, a really genuine camaraderie between the imports. And I, I know you've heard of, you know, we used to call it, you know, the pickup ball games on Friday night where all the Americans came in and then go across the street to the rising sun, play for two hours and drink beer for six. But um, everyone had like the fact that you weren't getting paid and that you were pursuing your your, you know, your career or whatever the, your your work um, made a, 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 a um, that you were you were similar personalities you know what i mean it was like uh you know a backpacking type mentality guys that would put a backpack and just go somewhere it it, it uh you all had a, a common uh, yeah thread that that you know i met so many guys back then playing and we we just you know we we'd play pickup together and you just everybody got along how were you making money back then, though? Were you, did, they, did they get you a job? Yes. So I, I, when I arrived, they put me at Scotch College. Um, so I was the housemaster at Scotch College, and that I lived there and was fed. And then uh, I worked at a place called St. James. It was a Catholic school in East Bentley, and I was the sportsmaster. So I taught every kid physical education, and um, uh, you know I was in charge of sport. So, um, again, that, that was, can you imagine getting off a plane in the seventies and, um, taking the kids out, you're an American and taking them out for footy, you know, they're put, or, or, you know, and then, yeah. So it, it was funny. I brought basketball to the, the, the school and a lot of those guys went on. You know, it was only had 400 kids, but I had, I did have an influence. You know, I was, I was, I, I did, I got better, but I was, the footy thing was, was cricket, you know, I mean, it, it was, I, I, they had to help me, you know, with the rules. And I remember, uh, uh, <laughs> the oval was underwater virtually you're playing in mud, you know, you're outdoor, there's no inside facility, it's winter. So it's raining, it's muddy every day. And um, one of the guys ended up playing for Melbourne, a guy named Roger Ellingworth. I'll never, he was in Form 4. He was a big, strong kid. And uh, he, got, he was competitive when they played. And so I've got the whistle, and I'm in there, and I've read the rules. And every five seconds, I'm blowing the whistle, and I'm saying, in danger. And it was like if you're reaching down for the ball, I thought, and you kick it, you know, it's in danger. It's the other team's ball. And this kid came by and gave me a like a whack in the ribs with his forearm. And I t like turned real like like and he looks at me and he goes, you know, you seppo. You know, I, go, I look at him and I don't have no idea what he's taught. What what's a what what is a, a seppo? And then and then he goes, you know. That doesn't get called one time in a season. You've called it, you know, every 10 seconds. So, you know, it just 
yeah, me, me coming to grips with, with the sport, uh, learning, uh, the, 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 the different, I mean, no one in America knows still to the Australian rules football, which I have a much better idea of now and has been real helpful in my basketball. We don't even know the rules. We don't even know the rules, Gorge. (laughs) We don't even know the rules. They change on a daily basis, but, um, to steer this back on, on track, you played one, it was one year as in the professional league, right? With the Tigers. We, what happened was we, we, I came there and they, they, they had, um, national championship so uh the best teams from melbourne the best teams from adelaide would come at the end of the year and play in that tournament and then the state league melbourne was the best geelong coburg nuttawadding then the next uh state was adelaide um but we were so you had state basketball and then when the nbl formed i so i came in let's say uh my first season was uh, 1977, 1979, when they formed the NBL, Lindsay was anti um, the NBL. He did. He Why form this and make, you know, we've formed this great competition. We've built stadiums. We have it all going on in Melbourne. Why do we need to fly and spend money and go to all these places? Our competition is is good right now. And um, arguably, um, they formed that second division, the SEABL, or I, I can't remember if it was called the CBA or whatever it was. If you weren't in the NBL, um, you were in that league and uh, and you played state league. And everybody said, you know, or everybody in Melbourne said at that time, like in the early in the late 70s, early 80s, that the state league was tougher than the NBL. So, um, you know, like like uh, in the end that those games, that's how I got a job in the NBL is when I was coaching Ballarat, we'd play the state league and we would play, you know, the Melbourne Tigers. We would play the Geelong Supercats. We would play Nuttawa and all those teams back were NBL teams at that point. And if you did well as a coach or you did well as a player, you moved up. So my first two, you know, we, we played uh, in the SEABL and the second year of it, they started, if you won that, if you won that and won the championship in the SEABL, you got moved up to the NBL. And so for a few years, they did that. So Frankston won it the one year and they moved up. And then the following year, we had a, a really good, I think we lost one game for the whole year, went to the final of the, uh, um, the state league. Um, so beat teams like Geelong, beat teams like NBL teams to get to the final and won the SEABL and got moved up my last year of playing, which, you know, I was 32 years old. I had bad knees. I played the one season and, and, uh, and that was Andrew Gaze's rookie season. And, uh, again, we started horrifically cause we, you know, we'd never played in the NBL before, it ended playing the last game and if we won the last game we would have made the playoffs and uh we we lost that didn't make the playoffs and then i uh, i moved into coaching well, I, didn't, I didn't realize are, they, are these numbers correct you average 21.9 points 7.5 assists 3.7 rebounds 48 percent shooting on 16 attempts you got them up and you were 44 percent from three <laughs> on 10 three pull three point field goal attempts are they, are they the right numbers or am i misreading this no, those are those are 
I looked at those the other. I go, God, yeah. That, <laughs> uh, I the one thing you were uh, not I, only were you thing, a bucket, you were a bucket, but you, you hoisted up ten threes back in the day. I know you guys didn't play a whole lot of defense back then, especially under Lindsay. But geez, you were you were a bucket, Gorge. I didn't realize. I just thought you were, you know, a bit of a three point shooter every now and then, and just would talk some shit. But man, you were you had some good numbers. I had uh, my my cl- I had a game. Um, Al Green was playing for Adelaide. They came, they were on the three game road trip and we played them on the last game on a Sunday afternoon. Ken Cole was coaching and they played a two, three zone. And I had 10 threes in the first half. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't, I thought, you know, cause I wasn't that kind of score, but I, I thought they stay, I'm going to score 50, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a 50 point game. Second half, Ken Cole got a technical at halftime. I knocked down the free throw. I didn't score a point in the second half. <laughs> we won, but I, I didn't score it. I didn't score a point in the second half. But uh, that was too, Andrew, that was the first year of the three-point line. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was the first year, 1983, I think it was. It was the first year of the three-point line. And I did um, – uh, you know, like going into in in into that, uh, I had planned not to play, and then and I came back late and I joined the team. Kind of, you know, I didn't get the proper uh, build up to 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 pro- so the start for me and the start of the but but as it went on, got real comfortable and uh, really enjoyed it. Had a good year, but it is my year was nothing compared to what I mean look at those numbers of of Andrew in that first year I mean I remember playing next to him and saying to my dad this sucker could 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 play in the you talk about getting a bucket I mean he was young I, I he'd have to be 18 19 years old and he was uh unstoppable in that shuffle as a kid it, it was um and and he was not he would go like on a uh, on the open court, get by somebody and slap it. They all say he's glued to the floor and all that. Nah, nah. He 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 wasn't athletic. He wasn't bouncy, but he's big. And uh, those cuts off Lindsay's stuff, where there's you know that high post and the court spread. Uh, we all know. But when he when he was young, yeah, he. You, you'd get that ball guard to guard. He'd be sitting on that wing and just walk you up and back cut it. He'd slap that thing down. He'd catch a guy on the high post, you know, on one of those cuts, and you'd whip him that ball. He'd slap it down. Two on ones, you know. Um, but, it, uh, you know, Larry Birdish before it, it that, you know, it, it was remarkable to play with as a kid. And you just said, I mean, it, it was, there was no doubt. There was no doubt he was going to, he was going to do what he did. He's going to dominate. And the last, the last thing, you know, it it's on him, like at this stage on that, when he was really young, he was always at Albert park and um, the pickup games on Friday night were non Aussie. At the, there, there was no Aussies in it. You know, it was all guys from the, you know, bullying ringwood, you know, everybody had two imports and there was teams from everywhere and guys would travel from like Horsham, 
you know, the the Hornets or whatever they were, Bendigo, Johnson. I remember, you know, Catron would come in and our, a couple of guys, a guy named Mel Delgleish, a, a couple guys, Olympic players that started, hey, the ball's good, came in. I remember we're playing three on three and, and uh, Mel Delgleish, who which was an Olympian, he goes, what do I do? You know, what do I do? And you'd play five on five pickup. And it was the same thing. Every now and then one of those guys had come in and they go, they have no clue. You know, Andrew rolls in there at like 16, 17, 18 years old. And just, you know, he's he's there the whole time. Play on Monday nights, play in the morning, train with the under 18s, train with the 20, train with the senior team. He rolls in and he just knew how to ball. You know what I mean? He just he did. You didn't have to have structure or this. They say the shuffle and he was great in the strut shuffle. But when we played, all the guys were talking, you know, man, this this guy is something. You know, he's going to be so, he, he could just ball. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, I mean, obviously one of our all time greats. The, the one thing I found interesting as well was that, you know, the story of Lindsay bringing you out here and, and playing for him. He, he essentially became your biggest rival in the NBL, right? Correct. Yeah, and you guys had some real, Correct. real crazy battles, which is what I want to get into now. You've coached through many facets of the NBL, um, but you arguably coached in probably the most, you know, impressive peak of the NBL in the you know late eighties, early nineties. Just talk us through those times for people that don't understand. I was a young kid then. I was you know early nineties, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I remember Friday night basketball, even Saturday afternoon basketball, Sunday afternoon basketball. But the Friday night game, Southeast Melbourne Magic versus the North Melbourne Giants versus the Melbourne Tigers. I mean that shit was insane. Tennis center, ten, fifteen thousand people couldn't buy a seat. You know, cheering, yelling, standing up, booing. It was an amazing time in Australian basketball. Tell us, tell us what that was like. I. You know, Andrew, the, the thing about it is, um, and people ask you about it all the time, it happened so fast that, um, you know, uh, one, one day you're in, you know, uh, Albert Park playing, you know, uh, your home games there. And then, you know, we moved to, we called it the glass house. And all, you know, St. Kilda back then, which was in it, Melbourne, Coburg, Nuttawadding, we all shared the glass house. And then, um, you know, and that was like moving from 500 people or 600 people to 4,000, three and a half thousand. And each team would play their home games there and have their little, little support group. And then um, I thought, the, the the teams did a tremendous job of um, going out to the schools, getting the getting to the kids. Uh, everybody, the, the the whole thing was saturated with clinics, school clinics, camps, um, and uh, I know we um, built ours with with that formula. Just got all, you know, Dean Utah, Arnie, Dun you know, you know, you'd, you'd have to do two, three, three clinics a day before you came to practice. Um, and, uh, you know, so so kids started playing. Lindsay got stadiums built, um, got competitions going. And then um, 
you know, Andrew played that game uh, with Seton Hall against Michigan that was, you know, for the national championship that was was televised right around Australia. And I thought that was a significant moment that everyone um, everyone started, uh, you know, everyone viewed that game. Everyone, you know, became familiar with gays, came familiar with basketball. And then, you know, um, when we got to the pinnacle of it, uh, Michael Jordan, um, the Bulls, uh, obviously you've seen the last dance, but Michael Jordan at that time was the number one sports figure in Australia. So not only was he huge, but he was the number one sports person and he was a basketball player and it was number one here. And, um, I'll never, I'll never where it, where it really, we won the thing in 1992 in 1991, we were playing at, um, at, uh, 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 the glass, no, we were playing at the glass house in 1991. I went away with, so we lost to Perth in the final. I had Dean Utoff, Kent Lockhart, you know, Scott Ninnis, Darren Lucas, uh, Darren Perry. I don't know if though, but that, that group, we lost to Vlahov and, and, uh, who Mike Ellis, that uh, um, Scott Fisher, that group, we lost to them. They were coached by Murray Arnold, um, uh, a famous American college coach came across and they beat us in the final in Perth. And we played our home game. We had one home game and then we went there for two. We were at the glass house. When that finished about three weeks later, we went and did an American tour. And so we'd take the whole team to America and do just what I told you on how I ended up in Australia. We'd go and open up everybody's season. So UCLA, SC, Pepperdine, um, you know, go and play 12 games in like 15, 16 days. When I came back and got off the plane, um, the, you know, our, our owners um, group were waiting for me and said, can you come to the office? You know, so uh, that we drive over, we go to the office, which is out Middleborough Roadway in in uh, Nuttawadding, and I sit down. They say, "Listen, um, we're we're merging." You know, um, us and this in St. Kilda are going to become one, and you're the coach. Um, so I'm like. Uh, the next the the next aspect was absolutely brutal so i've got 30 players so gary fox who i used to play against or what you know i've got to pick up the phone and i've got to you know and see these people you know i call gary fox and you know i'm i'm fine to be a part help you know you know and i'm my whole my no mate you know i'm i'm going i'm not hiring people from the opposite i'm going with my crew so i let all all of those guys go and then i had to go to places like I, i'll never for the, the the toughest one so i'd call up um and go one was larry sinstock you know i have to pick the phone up and i i've brought tony ronaldson back from arizona state 
and recruit and pulled him, you know, like he's not going to go and do his sophomore, sorry, his junior and senior year. He's going to come back and play for the Spectres. And uh, um, uh, Sinstock, Larry Sinstock's getting towards the end, but he wants to play in the Olympics, the upcoming Olympics. And so I go to the house and say, mate, I've, you know, uh, there, there's just no, no, no place for you here. You know, I'm, and he goes, no, I'll, I, I don't want to go. I want to stay. And I go, I've got Tony Ronaldson and uh, I'm going to play him and he's, I'll beat him out, you know? And we end up having this conversation that was, and basically I, I said, there's no, beating anybody out he's in he's going to play he's young i'm going this direction no so for for i remember sitting in front of his house i I was in there i expected to be in there for about 45 minutes i got you know see you later after about 10 and i'm i'm waiting i gotta wait out in front of his house 45 minutes for my wife to come and pick me up but i i i did that for like two weeks calling people up, going over to their house. Yeah. Letting them go, letting them go, but formed a team that, um, Andrew was, was good. I mean that whole, um, so, so if we go back to the magic and, you know, and it's how I 90, so yeah, 92, 93. So, um, we merge, become the magic. The Melbourne Tigers are the number one player. The basketball is getting popular now. We're, we've moved both teams. This is the first year both teams have moved from the glass house to uh, Rod Laver, to, to, to the main court. So we're co-tenants of that court. And Melbourne um, had, you know, Brad Key. Gaze, Copeland, get, you know, and you start, I mean, Timmons, you, you just, you go through that and, and just, um, the best, if you said, who's the best play, best guard to ever play in the NBL, Andrew Gaze is in the competition, you know, definitely in the competition. If you said, who's the best center to ever play in the NBL post player to play career wise in the NBL, Brad Key is definitely in the conversation. That's their two Australians. Lindsey Gaze is the godfather of basketball. So you've got that established, uh, um, known, the junior program, Albert Parr, every, you know, everybody, to me, it's like everybody loves them. And I've gone with youth, um, Athlete. So if you were recruiting players, I'm recruiting a completely different player. None of their players would ever have wanted to play for me. And the players I had didn't want any part of that. We saw them in a light. They saw us in a light. We went with the men in black look. They were, you know, uh, you know, system, uh, smart. Half, we were physical. Um, uh, athletic, you know, um, long, young, bouncy, uh, had a, had a, you know, the, the staff was all, you know, my side, I'm up, we're on the side, you know, we got people everywhere. We're into the weights, 
uh, completely different look, completely opposites and arch, arch rivals. And we end up that season, we end up top. And Melbourne always in the, we were the, and over my course of time, when you talk about um, things you're good at as a coach and things that, you know, you struggle with or you got to get better at it, it, those years when it was um, basketball was in, in its prime, I got in the mat, our teams, I got very good at, at, at regular season, like how to, how to, how to plan and run your team game after game after game, travel, recovery, weights, training, conditioning. So a regular season, if you look over that period of time, and that's why the record that you talk about got very good at that. You were 16 and zero at home and you were um, 10 and five away. So yeah, clear, clear number one. Second was Sydney Kings, third Melbourne Tigers, fourth North Melbourne Giants. And if you go, Drew, if you go through time, we were always first, second, win the Kmart class. We were always that. We were all, but the team, the best, like when you looked at during those times, every, God, the Tigers, man, if, if they, you know, they drop one here, you know, to us, you know, like come out in first gear, half asleep and get beat on a road thing. You know, they were, they were that. But when you got to the playoffs, Copeland Bragg and, and they, yeah, and it's game and you're in a series, different beast. And so um, we end up, we've got a great team. Long story short, we end up playing them in the final. Um, all three games sold out. And the first game, I walk out onto the court and I walked out. I mean, we've got good crowds, 11,000, 12,000, 10, probably average nine, 10,000 for the season. We came in there to the roof first game. I look up and Lindsay looks over at me. I, I kind of catch him out of the corner of my eye. And, and we are at that point in time, we're complete opposites. It's war. You know, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can, you know, to Andrew that you could possibly do physically drive him nuts. You know what, how we were playing and, um, they drove us nuts, you know, golf, have a good time, throw in threes, high five, you know, it, it, it just, you know, annoyed each other. So I'm standing there and he comes, I, I look over and I go, what? He walks over to my, you know, like walks over to my, and I, I turn and look at him and kind of, you know, and he goes, Brian, I didn't think this would happen in your lifetime, let alone mine. And he just looked up and took his arm and just moved it around his head and just pointed to the, to, to the place being packed to the ceiling and walked away. And I did, I kind of, I, I kind of, I looked up and I go, man, wow, this is, this is amazing. And it was, it ended up being an amazing three games. You know, Darren Perry snapped his Achilles tendon in the first quarter. They smashed us in game one. And again, we were top. We were the ones that were favored to win the thing. But I knew this thing was 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 going to be nasty. They got us comfortably. It wasn't even a game in game one. And then we come back and win tank game two. Game three is an absolute knock, 
you know, just just a, a dog fight, just two teams on their blades. And uh, we ended up winning that one in the last couple minutes. It was a great physical game of basketball. And then I'll never David Stern handed out the rings. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. I remember that. That was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So that was, uh, you know, that, that, but it's fast. And that's an interesting time because I, I remember coming back and uh, the games used to be, you know, when you talk about it, you know, you'd go to the pub, you know, uh, Chapel Street or Turak, the, the, the place, you know, the, the, the games were on Channel 10. They were live, you know, and we had, we had momentum behind it. And then it was like, honestly, it was like football said, hold it a minute, you know. Um, and I, I just got uh, the feel from everyone that, that you know, they, they were struggling with the papers, getting stuff into the, the, the there, it was kind of like they were putting their foot down and there was an announcement made right after our games that football and the government was throwing an, an enormous amount of money into the Oz kick thing in the and started doing that, obviously, with more resources and more behind it than we had. And, um, you know, it, it, it went from uh, like we were everywhere to um, real quickly, as quick as it grew, it started to, you know, wane. And, you know, I think what I just said had a lot to do with it. And then the other side of it, the point I made, how fast it had it had gone. I don't know that we were ready for it. You know, the NBL office, the the development programs, the referee, it just went boom. Yeah. You know, it was a case of exactly what you said. I've said this for many years. I think um, the AFL were like, holy shit, we've got a threat. They bought media presence. They have the they had the big wiggies in the room to market to do all those things. They they got in bed with government. I think it, for basketball it happened too fast. It came too quickly, and then I think basketball became a little bit complacent, thinking that it was going to last uh, forever. We're doing something right. Let's just continue down this trajectory. They didn't really think outside the box and and didn't continue to, you know, the equivalent of Oz Kick and Vic Kick and and getting involved in communities. They kind of thought was that ride was going to last forever and the AFL saw some weakness and went bang and then yeah like you said literally three or four years that you just saw that cliff was just getting longer and longer and and you know we're, we're, here we are today with the ups and downs of the NBL the last 30 years but um yeah you hit a spot on it was it was you could feel it and it was really uh difficult um to to be a part of that that growth and and it all happening and then you could you know i used to say when we were in in sydney you know like i'd i'd say to the um assistant you know like go on up and have a look in that you know the home ball are they is there people is it is it okay and you know you were nervous about it are the are the owners engaged is are are the are the sponsors boxes are they there and uh you know, um, Hawaiian shirt night on Wednesday, those midweek games, you know, sometimes you'd come out in Sydney and I'm talking about three championships in a row and those games on Wednesday night, brutal, you know, you'd come out and you'd empty and you'd go, God, man, how, how long, 
how how's this going to roll? How's this going to how long is this going to go? And, uh, you know, and, and there was always um, if Sydney gets going, the league's going to be great. No, man, it, it's it, it's an important piece. But, you know, there's a lot more to it. And, uh, you know, the la you know, the the living through the merge of uh, I went through the one I just told you about magic and St. Kilda becoming, sorry, Spectres and St. Kilda becoming the Magic, Magic and Giants becoming the Titans, then going to the Kings, and the Kings being, after our third championship, going to the fourth year or whatever, <laughs> firepower. And that story, Andrew, was, was um, that's a book in itself. It was a Ponzi, wasn't it? What, yeah, it was, the, wasn't it a yeah, Ponzi? It, it, was, yeah. it was the most... Uh, crazy. I mean, I literally, I had a, 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 a court session where I called everyone in and, and basically said, well, I did say, you know, um, if you want to go home, go home. I can't guarantee you're going to get paid. I cannot, I can't do this any, you know, the thing was the practice. We were, we went 27 and three that year. I had Draper. That's the one where I danced on the court against Melbourne. And, you know, we ended up losing in game five back home. But everyone to a man, hey, put your hand in. If I have to play the young development players or whatever, I get it because I can't do that. I can't guarantee you're going to get paid. And I'm not coming back. This is it for me. So it's it's like for everybody. This is our last time together. Um, Who's in? Who's? But we had that conversation. Guys weren't, you know, weren't getting paid. Uh, he was, have, didn't know where he was. Where's the owner? You know, we were owned by the Macquarie Bank. And then, you know, now we're owned by uh, a guy that <laughs> I, I went to Russia to see where, <laughs> where, where firepower, where the headquarters were. And it was like, it was like something out of Get Smart. You know, a chaos agent sitting at the front door. You know, I come in and it was like a fold up office and uh, and the guy's talking all. And I'm with Derek Rudker, our general manager, and we're sitting there. And, I, you know, Drew, like you say, I'm not good. Technically, I'm a zero out of 10 business wise. And I'm sitting there and they're talking all this. And I go, hey, where are the trucks? <laughs> where is it? where where is it where is it met yeah and they go it the guy goes to me he goes it's in it's made in it's all done in perth and i look at the guy and i go i was in perth and we play in perth and i went and did this same thing in perth and they told me it was in russia and i've flown all the way over to see you in russia and you tell me it's in perth uh it was it was absolute you know you, you you heard all these rumors you know it's it's on the that the, it's in the chinese bus system it's in the uh uh the the russians you the army uses it you're hearing all this stuff and then i'm you know they were they were linked into the western force they were linked into the rabbitos uh back as a sponsor but as both those clubs and the guy there was one of the guys i knew really well um on one of those clubs it was a coach and I called him up and I said, Man, what am I am I and he goes, Hey man, it's it ain't happening. 
it's it's that uh, uh. <laughs> yeah well so, it says uh, it says they were a hong kong based company owned and operated by global fuel technologies specializing in technology purporting to reduce the fuel consumption and environmental impact of petrol <laughs> operated vehicles <laughs> <laughs> that's what they'll describe as offices everywhere like you said it's founded in perth there's they have they had offices in sydney china Rhodes, athens papua new guinea of all places yeah man <laughs> geez all their all their banking was done in the british virgin islands shockingly <laughs> so andrew you can imagine i'm I, I work for the macquarie bank i work for bill moss and and the, you know the head of the you know uh proper like one of the you know stellars of the community like like uh just a, a an absolute business uh, just just the greatest i mean they were they were and he's he's a nail of a man absolute na- and you know trusted him with my life you know and i've got this group harry cousins you know john kench like seven or eight of them that you know i've three years man i could have uh, um, um, we've been in the, the top, we won it three years in a row, lost the final, uh, was in the set, like five years we're, we're right at the top. We got it. We got it. We, you know, we're going to be the Perth we're, we're doing. And now what Perth has become, well, you know, we beat Perth by 50 at our place. We beat Perth at Perth, you know, we were going to be that and we were getting the best players and you're Sydney. And you know, I mean, you know, it, it, it's going. And uh, this, ha- you know, I, I get introduced to the guy. Um, God, what was his name? Um, anyway, I got, got it. I'll think of it in a minute. But I got introduced and, and those guys are gone. And it's the middle of the season. This is the new owner of the Kings. And um, did I didn't make it. You know, I made it till the end of the year. And then shortly i think i don't know they didn't play a full season with him as it so he came in and replaced i went to the end of the season at the end of the season i remember saying to mike we you know i'm done man i'm i'm no no you're no i'm done i'm finished it's over i'm done and uh i left and got the dragon job and the kings never made it to the season and I had I had this on the notes. I wanted to touch this because I think you get unfairly labeled sometimes as you've been through four mergers slash clubs going under, and people have equated that. At least in the NBL circles, you know the theories are that oh, Gorgon makes you overspend. He bankrupted the team, but I think you know it seems like it's just bad timing a lot of the times with just the people owning the club and 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 the businessmen involved. Where it all you know you had the the whole the whole magic into the titans and then the titans going under and then the kings just the you know basically a international ponzi scheme which you can't really control and then obviously the south dragons went a similar route which was which i understand was more a pissing contest between them and the nbl at the time wasn't it correct and and andrew every it was I, i'm not defending myself but it's like they all went broke yeah no but i mean they, they all Lindsay, Lindsay Gaze, the, the Melbourne Tigers, the Mel, uh, they went. That somebody took them over and bought them, but they were done. They, they're done. Then Seamus takes it over. He's done. Then somebody else has to pull them out, and they become united. Larry, they're done. After I left the Discount Giants with Fittis, they're done. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, 
my thing always was in the NBL, I'd go, you know, I'd go to the board and I'd go, where do you, where do you want to go with this? Where do you want to, where do you want to finish? And then we'd put the list of uh, names up there. And then um, here's, here's the team we got. Where do you want to go with this? And then there was always, you know, in it, into this day as I'm doing now, you know, what's the, but all I want is if I've got, and I can't do it anymore in coming back, but how I used to, if I have a million dollars to spend and I want to spend $900,000 on Andrew Bogut, um, that's up to me and then spend a hundred dollars on the rest of the team. That's my call. If I want to spend 200 on this guy and three, but just let me give me what the money is, how much money you have to spend, how much you want to spend and let me put the team together. And then the team I'm going to put together, if is going to be in this range, the one team in my whole time that we had, the magic had it right. The magic, you know, the, we had to come up with as, as we've talked, so far in the buildup and how how uh, it got great and how where basketball went when it was great. When we became, uh, we were in the eastern suburbs and we were going against the Tigers, you've got, like I said, the best player in it, everybody, Andrew Gaze, most loved play, you know, number one, the, the, uh, the founder of basketball, the icon of basketball, Lindsey Gaze. What are you, what's, what are we going to be? And we, we're going young. We're going at, cause all the kids were playing back then. We're going to get the best kids and we're going to develop those kids. And, um, and, and that's going to be the cheapest route as well. So, I mean, going back to my involvement and in how I started my involvement with you, um, Chris Anstey, we let, um, Bruce Bolden go and and said we'll get, we'll let our import go to get Chris Anstey from the Tigers. So we're going Sam McKinnon from North Melbourne, you know Jason Smith. But these guys were all the top young Frank Drimmick, and they weren't just the ones from our area. It's like we're going after the young ones. We're going to get them strong. We're going to train these guys like like raw meat we're going to get him fit and strong and we're going to go after these guys and we're going to have a completely different look a completely different identity that was a, you know we got to have something to market something to be and um they did it well and uh but um when the magic and um the the giants merged it it never the 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 ownership grew it it didn't work and the the giants it was interesting the the magic were basketball people that grew up in basketball loved the game father was a referee the local service station a policeman uh, a guy that worked for a printing press ran the printing press all basketball uh, that used to go and watch Nutawati that all pulled in and bought the team and, and supported basketball. Uh, the Giants were business icons. You know, Dennis Eck from, you know, John Kirby from the Village Roadshow, Dennis Eck, the head of Coles Meyer. I mean, they had 
the money and our guys had the basketball. And if they could have um, gotten it and worked it together, that could have been a great mix. But it 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 it, it started, <laughs> and I it's funny I I I told the story uh, yesterday with Tim Conrad. We were talking about David Anderson, and he was talking about you know his step back jump shot. And I go, June, you know I before he came to Wooling, I Illawarra. I had Dave Anderson. I signed Dave Anderson. Um, and he told and, us the story on the pod uh, gorge. Brad, he actually had him on a couple of weeks ago. He actually told us the story. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Uh, I had to, I had the, the bottom line at the end of it. I got in a full in before it even started shit fight with the board. You know, you have to have so many magic players and so many giants in this merge. And I go, no, we've become the Titans. We're one. It's that's no longer exists. We have these players. Let me pick the best team. No, they they were stubborn about it. No. So I said, you know what I'm going to have? I have to get in my car and I got to drive down the highway and I've got to cut an NBA player. I'm going to be it's like, Mike, I'm going to be remembered this. I said, I'm going to be remembered for this. And I went in there and I'll never forget his father, Danny, looked at me like, are you what a piece of garbage? <laughs> or, you know, it was like, can you get can you get out of my living room? You know, because I just went in there, Andrew, like a month before, three weeks before and sold my soul to get this kit. You know, he's going to be great. I'm going to look after him like, you You know, same as when I was with you, when I was trying to get you. Same, you know, like this kid's going to be, you know, and now I'm coming in three weeks later saying, I don't have a spot for you. And he's looking at me like, or, or, you know, but that's how that, uh, that started. And um, it, it just uh, was soon done. And they sold the team. So John Kurt, that whole, you've got Village Roadshow, you've got Coles, uh, Dennis Eck. They had, I mean, these, they sold it to um, a guy, um, Nimrod Harrell, Initiatives in Sport. We never, all again, they, uh, you're, you're, they disappear. I'm turning and looking, they're gone. And uh, this guy, doesn't make it to the season. And the next thing I know, it was funny. My neighbors coming, coming across uh, that we used to walk our dogs together. I was, you know, knocking on my door and go, Hey, Brian, they're, they're taking your car. They're dra You know, I'm in Armadale. These, these things are hooked up to my car and dragging my car off the driveway. And I'm looking, I'm going, God, I guess we're done, you know? And then, uh, Peter Fittis bought the team. And uh, called me up like I don't have the job, um, but it, it's like three weeks after they've gotten rid of my car. I, I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not, but don't hear anything for anyone. And then he calls me up and uh, basically says, you know, you, you're not required. And I go, well, <laughs> that, that's quite obvious. He goes, we, we just you can't win the important games Ouch. yeah, Ouch. yeah that was his, you know, nice little gut yeah, punch out. on the way out you, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you can't you can't win the games that matter 
So uh, it was nice to, you know, um, again, that's a, a, a long, you know, when you, when you said you could talk for two hours, I go, what are we going to talk about for two hours? We have probably haven't even got first right now. No, yet, we haven't, I mean, which we will. I, 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 I sit, I, I sit and wonder like, cause I could talk about, you know, how I met you and how that, that, that's a whole, like it's a chapter of a book. And then this, I haven't even touched on, you know, um, how great that was to get the boot there. And then I'm with the national team and uh, Brett Brown's, you know, saying, you know, I don't have a job, you know, say, no, I I think you're, you know, I think you'll get one in the NBL. And I'm, uh, he's, it's starting to piss me off. You know, I'm like, get one in the NBL, Uh, you know, because there's only, whatever amount of teams, I can't remember if there's nine, eight, 10 or whatever, but it's like, you know, you're not getting the Melbourne job. You're not getting the giant job. You just got fired. You know, so you go through them that, you know, Brandon Joyce got, well, you know, he, what is he talking about? And then, you know, after about the third or fourth day, I start, I go, maybe he's, you know, maybe it's him. You know, so uh, basically towards the end of the camp, he comes up to me and says, listen, um, and he's done some Brett Brown, some wonderful thing. We've been high, like you say about Lindsay, and it's the same thing, the competitive nature. But what Brett Brown um, has done for me in my time in basketball and, and how our careers have, you know, we merged and be, I said with the Giants and the and the Magic. A bit, but we become the Titans. I'm coming up to the office, the giant, because that's where our office became, the Giants' office. He's pack, he's looking at me, packing up his gear and moving out. He got removed, you know, and I became the coach. And then, you know, when I got done after um, uh, Beijing, you know, he took my spot. And then um, uh, Sydney Kings. You know, he comes up and says, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got an opportunity with the Spurs. And I'm like, wow, congratulations. And he said, and I've, yeah, and I've told them, you know, you're the guy for the job. And, uh, you know, shortly after I got a call from Grant Caddy and uh, the rest, you know, we, we, we went on and won three straight championships. But uh, the Brett Brown connection and all that and him going to bat for me. Um, was was really big. And then on top of that, the last national team run was the same story because Brett Brown was hired to do that. And then obviously, you know, there's different theories as to why you know he wanted a break after Philly, the Ben Simmons thing, and then obviously you took over from him again. So correct. I mean, I mean, and he he was a he was a big um, factor in in me doing the job, a huge factor in it. Because um, Andrew, I mean. The, the the boomers is a is a whole nother uh wonderful conversation we'll get to but, that in a sec uh, we'll get to yeah. that in a sec so we'll finish this off you end up obviously unfortunately winning you know four championships in, in six odd years in the nbl but then leave the nbl was it a matter of obviously money was a factor but was it also just 
having to be involved with the demise of numerous teams, the, the, the kind of grind of getting your car repossessed, all those stories built up to say, you know what, fuck this, I'm just going to go overseas for a bit. I know China was on your door for a number of years. Was that kind of the mindset? And because you spent, you spent a good 10 years there post NBL and then obviously returned to the NBL the last couple, but was that the mindset? I, I, uh, totally, you got it. Totally. I mean, uh, after the, when we, when I finished the Kings, that was gut wrenching. It came out of the, in the middle of the year with 27 and three, it was like getting punched in the face. I settled into, you know, Oh, I don't, I didn't want to go from Melbourne. I didn't want to leave Melbourne. <laughs> I'm sure you would, you know, I don't want to go to Sydney. I'm, you know, 50 some years old. I left America and came to Australia, made all new. Melbourne's not an easy place. The school tie, what tie, you know, I'm, I'm from somewhere else. You know, um, it takes a while to develop French, Australian friendships. You know, um, I told you about when I played in the basketball and how easy that was, but developing friends and forming a, a, a brand new life um, took time. And it's like, and I had good friends. Uh, I loved Melbourne, as I told you, leading all the way. And I, I hadn't left. And all of a sudden you're in your 50s and it's like uh, time to go, you know. And I didn't want to go to Sydney. I didn't want to go anywhere. But it's like I want to coach. I want to be involved in basketball. I arrive in Sydney and I go down and, you know, meet uh, on the, a, a guy that, was involved in the team named Lazarus back then. And I meet him for, for lunch and we're on this strip right by the water. And he says, well, he told me to pick you up and uh, I'm to help you find a place to live. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take, take you here. And I said, oh, oh. I go, I want to live right here. And he goes, he goes, nah, he goes, there's all kind. you know, this is the flight pattern. I go, no, I go, how far away from it is from the stadium? He goes, it's just, I go, don't go. I want to live right here. So uh, there was Coogee Beach. And so um, I was on that, that walk from Coogee to Bondi, you know, Cavelli, you know, um, all that, you know, then the Marubra where the Brow Boys surf and all that on the week. I mean, Andrew, I, I fell in love with that place. And friendships and stuff we're, we're, we're so much quick, you know, you, you go to somewhere and have a few beers. There's just people from all walks of life, you know, traveling around. I kept, I said to my daughter, if I was your age, <laughs> I'd live in Sydney, you know? And I did, I fell after a five year period, I fell in love with it. I was, I was content. This is, this is it. We got it going. Um, I got a great job. I love where the get the being in by the harbor i saw you know you're in the surf one day and you're watching pearl jam at night you know you're in the surf one day you're watching bruce springsteen at night you got a good team you're you you drive from you know practice and you come down the hill and there's the ocean i'm like i'm i'm 20 minutes from the city you know so boom um that finishes I go and now I'm at Albert Park again, um, where it all started. And, you know, my wife's there. She, she's with the club and uh, I've got, a, you know, uh, got a great team. And uh, Ruffy Jaminda and Mark Cowan 
unbelievably special ownership. Like, uh, I mean, amazing to work for. Uh, Callan was was all hands and he was all over it and and you know great around the team. And then you had uh, Rafi Jaminda, who's you know. Um, the Pratt family, the, you know, busy recycling, you know, the man in, you know, uh, you know, like, like, I mean, just, just the, the thing was as professionally run like the magic, but it's got the money behind it. And, uh, we take it out the first year and, um, you know, I'll never, Rafi came to me and he said, listen, he goes, we need, somebody to run this thing, you know, somebody to, to take this thing by the, you know, they, they need that covered. We need stadium relief. And, um, uh, what was the third one? We need, uh, stadium relief. We need, uh, somebody to, to, to take the league by the horns, you know, and, and, and run the thing. And, uh, I, I, there, there was a third point, but any, anyway, um, they hire, oh, sorry. The third point, Andrew was a TV package. And this was, this was so, them going back and um, forth to the league, correct? Correct. So, and, and at the same, at the, the rumors are that Melbourne might be out, that Seamus is pulling out and he may go and they're there, you know, they may not be there. So what players are, you know, there was, cause I'm going again, I'm, uh, I can't, um, I'm, uh, I'm going to China to do clinics in China. And, uh, you know, what happens is, is that they hire Larry Sinstock to run it. And that wasn't just, that wasn't what Rafi was envisioning and no stadium relief, no TV package. And then, Richard Pratt passes away during that block. So I don't really, and I'm in China and I get a phone call from Mark Cowan saying, um, we're, we're pulling out, you know, Ruffy's not, we're going to pull out of this. And, uh, I'm sitting there going, you know what? That's it for me. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. And my thought Andrew, my thought at that time was um, the the you know Beijing uh, was was a not the, the finish of the national. I did my, my 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 two stints with the national team, so that finished, and then you know we won the championship and the team folds. I've just finished the Sydney thing. Prior to that, I just had the fittest thing. I said, you know what, I'm just going to go see Leon, Mike Dunlap. You know, I'm just going to go do the American thing and and just like go go watch basketball and take a year and and, you know, but I'm I'm done with the NBL. That's I'm I'm I've, I'm I'm not doing that anymore. <clears throat> so um, that was and, and then, you know, when I was down there and left, uh, I got a phone call from the owner that I did those those clinics for. And he said, you know, will you come down and run my junior program and advise the coach? And uh, you know what? I said, you know, I'm I'm going to do this thing in America. I'm going to do this. I'll come and do clinics at some time. 
And then he gave me another call and said he was a little bit more persuasive. And uh, I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm in. And, uh, <laughs> so I, the the one thing I'd say about it, Andrew, is when you're down there in China, and P, one is how I lived was amazing. I live, you know, the Dongguan area, my, my lifestyle. Um, I and I hired. I got a bunch of people employed. You know, Billy Tomlinson, Andrew Pop, uh, sorry, uh, Nick Popovich. You know, um, I think over the course of time, seven or eight Australians, I got jobs down there. I got a guy in the fitness industry down there that, for the universities. He's employed like close to 20 Australians down there. And the basketball, the the, the CBA had 21 teams in it. And it was like when I, you were in Dongguan, it's the support. So all these things that we've just talked about, the TV package, the gear, the ownership, your contract, the team, absolutely covered, absolutely covered. In the game, the packaging of the game, it's like you're coaching Collingwood, but there's a billion people. And, you know, I, I mean, I was just, I, I mean, in the basketball, when I went there, you talk about raw. You know, I'm I'm like the Americans can can flat stick go, you know, they'll they can flat stick go. But the Chinese players I had, I didn't have in my first year. I don't think one of them could have made, uh, you know, not a wadding specters. You know, it was it, it, yeah, it was. And, and they're they make good money. I mean, they're and they're icons. Um, but there was probably. You know, like Yi plays in it, obviously. Uh, Joe Chi, who's now coming across and playing for Phoenix. Those are, they're starting to develop, even though there, there's been some, you know, some trouble with the national program. A lot of, a lot of kids are playing. It was unbelievably popular. And what bothered me and drove me out of the Australian NBL was absolutely covered in the CBA, you know, the, the, yeah, it's complete. So God coming out and not worrying is the club going to be okay. Not worrying about sponsors. You don't have to do a clinic. You don't, all the, the owner doesn't give a shit how many people are in the stadium or, or what just win your game. If you prep, you know, and all you have to con be concerned about was developing the team and playing your game and winning the game. If you did that, you're you're good to go if you don't you're gone that's that's what people long for in this game and that was that's long been a problem in the nbl at times is just you know people have mortgages we've heard horror stories we both probably have with players that have mortgages they get settled into a city and then a month later their club's gone bankrupt and it's like holy shit you know so definitely i, I want to change gears with you real quick let's get national team so you came on at an interesting time with the national team you um, infamous for those basketball aficionados. The Boomers have lost to New Zealand for a, a, in a qualification series for an Olympics or a Worlds once, um, and lost qualification rights. And that was in two thousand and one. It was a dark day 
in Australian basketball with our competitiveness with New Zealand, and it was a great day in New Zealand basketball. They had a they had an unbelievable roster, so credit due there. They finished fourth in the Worlds in 2002. But you came on after that, and it was it was a complete rebuild. It was new to you. Um, take me through that process. Yeah, I, I mean now now, and you look back on it, and I there was and I thought about it. I've thought about it a lot, but I thought about it a lot during this campaign is, you know, the, the national team works in four year cycles. So, um, the Sydney Olympics, a lot of guys stayed and played past to play at home and play in front, uh, of the, you know, and, and, and they finished top four or whatever, but, but, Andrew Gaze, Vlahov, Bradkey, Longley, they all retired at the same time. And um, that is a problem. So, um, you know, in a, in a problem being addressed real strongly walking into this new group. We'll get to that later. But, you know, when Phil Smythe took it and two things about that series, one is um, he took a group that had doesn't know anything about international basketball, has no international basketball experience at all, turns out to be a horrible job because um, you lose to New Zealand and that's comical to Australia. Got to go. He's gone. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. Blah. But now you turn around and look at that New Zealand team. They go to um, uh, Indiana Indianapolis, right, and beat numerous teams and ended. Did they finish fourth or fourth? Fourth, yeah, they finished fourth, man. Para Cameron just taking people out. Correct. So it ends up being a great team and gives us, I I mean, we end up, you know, when I take over the team and become the head coach, um, uh, there's a story to that. But but, um, number one was that, that I think. We had, because of their finishing back then, we had an automatic bid. So there's only two teams in our region. And yeah, so we had an automatic bid. But we, your group, your first year there, we ended up beating New Zealand pretty good. Um, whack, whack in, the, in, in qualifying for um, Athens. And, uh, you know, is you first there there is a a process of becoming an international coach and um there is a process of becoming an international player and i remember you know when we put that team together and i look at like now um i i felt at that time that i was developing um nbl players or or domestic players to become international players so there was a, you know, hiring, you know, Ken Shields, hiring Bowden Babichek, um, you know, Ray McLean, developing guys, you know, the, 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 the chemistry of the team, the culture of the team, um, putting somebody professional in that, doing something, you know, what's an international body? How do you, you know, how do you develop one? What is the level of an international body? And then, um, in that initial start, you know, Andrew Gaze, uh, Longley, Brett, they had a, a, a chemistry or a culture that was no longer, it was gone. 
There was no, you know, there was nobody there. You know, what is this culture going to be? What's going to drive it? And mine was along the lines of, like I say, I, I felt a tremendous responsibility, you know, bringing in, you know, Oscar Foreman, you know, Jacob Holmes, you know, um, you know, Worthington, Kendall, uh, you're set, like a lot of guys through the program at that time were, were not international players. And, you know, the job was um, over the course of that time, I felt to do that. And uh, the first year, um, there, there was uh, a lot of, of hurdles and, and a lot of things um, that, that were tougher then I, it's like you learn that um, uh, toughness, uh, competitive spirit, um, controlling your way. They're, these are all skills. They're not something you can just say to somebody. And I remember Eddie Jones. I had Eddie Jones come and speak to your group. And, you know, his thing was, you know, we have to become the best in the world at something, you know. And, you know, you're, I know team USA um, I'm looking in this room you're not going to be the most athletic you probably won't be the most skilled but you guys get together you figure it out you got to become great at something and um, we sat down I don't know if you remember Andrew and just you know Ray McLean we're going to have the tightest culture you know we're going to wave towels when you fall down you know you're going to get picked up we're going to huddle up at free throws we're going to huddle up at timeouts you know, we're going to high five, we're going to communicate all these characteristics of being a tight team. Then you get and you talk about inexperienced in myself and the team that's going across how far not only did we have issues because it this it, it doesn't happen that quick. And there was some issues within just the growth and becoming a team, an international team with a bunch of new guys. But a culture, um, and I'm not—we're not even in the in the picture then. But you're—I'm looking at the ones that are, like Lithuania has broken away from, and these guys are men, and that culture, and it, and you start really—you want to be the best in the world. Argentina, you know, Scola, Pepe Sanchez, you know, uh, Ginobili, that group at you know, 26, 27, 28, you go, cause it's not just this Olympics, it's now the future. And you look at where Australia is now and what you were part of and how long it took you to get a culture like that, which now for me, what I'm describing to you, I walked into cold after 12 years. Now I walk in the door at Irvine and I step in the door. I didn't talk Andrew for two days. Everybody goes, who's this bum? You know, what, what's what's he? I didn't say a word to anybody. I just said, shit, look at this. This is Argentina back in the day. This ill is, um, uh, you know, um, those teams, those cultures on on steroids. Um, I walk in there and I it's it's a drop in center. So Maddie uh, Capes. You know, we got, you know, Sussingero, uh, Davidson, uh, uh, John Reilly, those guys in there, they're doing the, I'm, I'm just walking around um, meeting Junior, you know, 
meeting the physio, meeting the doctor, uh, uh, getting to in, in, you know, the music, the flags, the food, the every I'm just going, man, uh, watching Patty, watching Joe. Uh, wow. This is gone. This is in and um, how uh, to not get in the way of it, how to keep growing it. You know, uh, that was a completely different. <laughs> and like I said, you know, going back to your original question of being, you know, in that Athens, becoming the best in the world at something and uh, far away. Um, we had our, as you know, we had some, some obstacles in that tournament, but, uh, everybody grew. And when we got to Beijing, um, you know, we, 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 by the time we got, you know, you came late, um, um, uh, Dave Anderson came late. You know, when I said you, you have to join late because of what you guys were committed to. And I had that other group like before, like boot camp all the way through. And um, we were running some chin stuff and some spread stuff. And again, I didn't when I all of a sudden now it's you, Anderson and Maddie Nielsen. It took a, a couple games to settle and, you know, move away from the shuffle and kind of get the two posts down there low and run some turnout. And so as it got on, we got better offensively. And as you know, we won those three games in a row. And unfortunately we lost to Croatia and we lost to Argentina, the two teams we tied for second with, which put us in fourth, which crossed us over to team USA at the start of that game, we started pretty good. And then you rolled your ankle. And it was funny. I don't know if you remember, but um, I'd always get on the phone at night. And, uh, you know, when I had challenge, like, I, oh, OK, we got Team USA. You got one day. You know, what do we? And I remember the last time we played them and I was running some stuff along the baseline with a cut and they switched, switched, you know, uh, uh, Camelo, LeBron and Kobe. You know, and it's Ronaldson, somebody with a cutter going across and they switch, switch. And then you flash elbows there on top of the you can't get a catch. So basically what I'm saying, we're, we're, we're trying to move the ball and run this stuff. And, you know, they're just switching everything. We can't get a, a clean look at the rim. So we takes us to Beijing. We end up with Team USA. And uh, man, your your deal is no. No one can keep Patty Mills in front of them. Run C5, run middle pick and roll with Bogut and and Mills and spread the court. And I don't know if you remember that, but it the it, you know you left and Anstey became pick and pop. But that's the the game Patty Mills kind of got his name and 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 it it was uh, pick and roll, um, keep the court spread. And we were only we were seven down at halftime or nine down at half some that uh williams hit a bucket right at the buzzer but we were right in it till the first half and then the start of the third quarter they blew us but um i remember what they back then were their defensive pressure back then in those at least in 2004 and 8 and even 12 that's where they won games man you, you couldn't there were times you couldn't even get the ball over half court and they're meeting you at half court they're in their stance they've kind of changed the way they play now internationally but they were 
they didn't even have to run shit essentially because they just they would create 20 or 30 points off turnovers and and that's exactly what happened to us in that third quarter we turned it over four or five times dunk 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 and then you know the rest is history i couldn't agree with you more it's i always say you know the difference now is they were intimidating defensively and they kept you know that they could they could put heat on the ball when it, they they wouldn't waste the energy in the back court but they were like bulldogs on the ball in the you know swiping at it into you couldn't get by and then all that other stuff is switching and they're long and they get their fingertip on something now they're out and in, in they're in the open court and it, that that I you know Athens and Beijing. And we also lost to them in the Worlds. We crossed over and got them again in the Worlds. And that was, yeah, may, maybe the best group we played against. Man, I, I, just, I, I just remember, like you said, and then going into this one, um, again, the difference between beating them in that tournament um, and losing to them um, in the actual Olympics uh, one, what, you know, they got better and, um, you know, we made some mistakes, blah, blah, but just, I mean, I thought it was, uh, uh, holiday, um, crawling into Patty and, you know, picking that ball up in the back court and getting littered off the ball and putting in him and bringing him in. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, we know about, um, Kevin Durant offensively, but like you said, on the defensive end, all those switchable long, but we had trouble getting clean looks and, uh, and, and holiday was, I thought was a, was a huge factor in, in the addition compared to the other two were, were nice pieces, but I didn't, it was holiday. And that was the piece that was missing when we played them in, uh, in Vegas. I'm I think that was the huge missing piece because he's a glue guy. He didn't need the ball. He made the right play for him and he guarded 94 feet and, and that you're spot on there. As soon as they acquired him, I was like, uh oh, that's that's people people didn't think much of it because he's not a huge stats guy, he's not a flashy guy. But you could just tell the way he was happy to swing swing. He was happy to not touch the ball for four possessions. He was happy not to shoot. And they needed that in that starting lineup. That's what they didn't have. So spot on. But when you started with the Boomers, I want to take you back. You, you did have some dark days when an under-19 junior team came up and, and beat your squad. Do you remember that? I, I, I certainly do. I certainly do. You – I remember I – mean, I mean, when we, when I talk about you, my the, the three things that, like, but before the boomers scenario that hit me the most when I think of you was one, um, the basketball moves from winter to summer. And so we're, we're having practices and I, you know, we, we'd always get the, 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 the whole staff, the, uh, magic, the whole staff, uh, Titans or whatever we were back to the house. And yeah, that's Bruce gray. That's, you know, Bill Nelson, just just everybody back there and, and discuss, you know, how, you know, how did the week go? What are we going to do? How's the preseason? And going into the, that preseason, we said, let's all the Institute kids, all all the players are home and it's summertime, a different time of the year. They're all here. Let's run a development thing, offer them weights and have them work out in the afternoon at Sandringham. So um, I don't you know, I go get get me a list. 
So I can't remember who it was, Guy Malloy or whoever. I, I get this list and, and there's like 12 or 30, whatever kids. And I'm going through the names and I, and I look seven feet, Andrew Bogut, Sandringham. And I go, he must be a dud. And Kevin, they look at me, I go, we're there every day. We're there every day. We've been practicing. He's seven feet tall. I go, there's only one basketball player in there, and it's David Barlow. And I said, he's he's a dud. What? Why is he even on? I swear to you, I said that. I got Sandringham. I see these guys every day. So anyway, they go up. I can't remember why, but Ken Shields is with me. I'm at Albert. I'm at uh, Bruce Gray's gym and I get a phone call and Kevin, you know, has sent somebody and I, you know, Bruce Gray saying, you got to get down here. He goes, that guy that you said's a dud. He goes, the rest of them, he goes, flat stick can go. <laughs> so, you know, I hop in the car, I drive down there and you guys are on that court playing up and down, running up and down. And I go, Whoa, <laughs> whoa. So the next thing that I, I remember is having you over at our house. It happened so quick because I, I didn't know you. For, I, I'd been around you for like, I think you came to a practice session. I know you ended up coming for a while, but you you I think you'd come to a practice session. And then I came, I had you come um, to the house. And um, we were starting the process of, you know, hey, let's let's in, go. And then um, shortly after that, obviously, the Institute um, called and, and, and off you went. Well, gosh, let me fill you in. So I don't know if you remember correctly, but I, I came and did the individuals. Then you, you selected me to come in with the Titan sessions. So I was on that third gray squad with Liam San Maria abusing me every other every other play for not remembering the plays. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm here once a week, man. What do you want me to do? But I remember Chris Anstey wanted to beat the shit out of me every practice because I gave him a few buckets as a as a 16-year-old, but I didn't have I didn't have the body to to wrestle with those guys at that point. But I remember sitting down with you at one point. I'd already signed with I think I signed with the University of Utah, possibly already. I'm not sure, but I basically sat down with you and said, dude, like David Barlow, like give me one of those deals. I just want to be a DP. Give me some cash. I'll, I'll be a full-time basketball player. That was kind of what I wanted to do. And I don't know if you remember that conversation. I still do. It was that was that Sandringham at the King Club. And I'm like, just get me that deal. If, if someone pays me to play basketball, I'll join the roster as a 12th guy and work my way up. And you were like, pump the brakes, man. You, you got you got bigger aspirations than a development player in the NBL. And I was like, I was so pissed at you. I was like, what the fuck? Like, am I not good enough to play, you know, for in the NPL for the Titans at that point. And, and you kind of, you know, you, you arguably could have been selfish and said, yeah, cool. We'll sign you as a 12th guy and, and lock me up for a couple of years. But I remember you told me like you laughed me out of the room basically. And I, I didn't get it back then, but obviously I do now. You know, it's funny. You, the, the, the two guys and I, and I'd, I'd learn from, from Anstey is, you know, like um, what happened originally with Chris is um, he was, playing um with the tie uh, no he, i didn't know he's on the tie, under 20s doing whatever and the guy that wrote sos um kloppenberg uh famous you know he's like uh 
the triangle guy, uh, what's the, um, the old guy that sat next to Phil, Tex Winter. He's like that for George Carl. And he had this book, book about D, the S, it, it, it's just a, a, a tremendous, it was like the basketball Bible on defense. So he ends up coming to Australia and through the NBL and going to all these clubs. Now, um, I knew the, the Seattle thing, Gergerich was there and I, I'd taken Anstey to later I end up doing, but so anyway, I, I know this guy and I, I know of him. So when he comes to our practice, I'm running this thing and he's, he's doing the defense. We have this hour and a half session and he's just great. And we just, you know, four on four, three on three, five on five. So we sit down after the, you know, the thing's over. And I go, well, you've been to all the teams. I go, who, who did you, who are the best players? So I go to him, uh, you know, who's, who are the best players that you've seen? And I'll, he goes, Chris Anstey. And I don't know who it is. Then he goes, then he looks at me and he goes, Simon Dwight. And I'm like, Simon Dwight. And then he goes, Mark Bradkey. And he goes, and I like um, Axel Dench. And I'm like, Andrew, I'm going, he's named three guys. I have, this is back in the head, you know, McKen. I'm like three guys I've never heard of. I didn't, you know, Dwight is playing for war. I find playing for Warren Pink at Dandenong and I and I'll let he goes to me Chris Anstey is an NBA player and I have I don't know if you remember I have Andre Erlip is my assistant coach that he's a Serbian guy I picked up at Albert Park who's my assistant coach so he starts going to the junior games and he goes Brian Chris Anstey can is going to be you know so that's when I do the Bolden deal for Chris Anstey and this is, I know it's a long story to get back to what the point you're making on why I said what I said to you is um, I get Chris do that deal. That, and that's a, an amazing story, how I ended up getting uh, Anstey. We put, uh, signed him to a three-year deal because Melbourne could match the offer and they, they wouldn't let him go on his own accord. But Melbourne had to match the offer. So we put like, two years of his contract, let's say we pay him $300,000. I can't, we pay him 250 in the first year. <laughs> so Melbourne can't. So we end up getting Anstey, let Bogut go. We do the contract and it's an, it's a, uh, back winter basketball, the, the, the national team goes away. They stop the competition. I've got George Ronaldson, they, they, they've all gone. And we end up, I get, we end up playing Arizona and Texas on a tour they're there. So he gets like, I've got the young guys. Those guys are all gone. He gets like 35 against, uh, Arizona and he gets like 27 or whatever against Texas and Pinder's coaches, Texas, uh, 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 Olson, Lute Olson coaches, Arizona, they go back to the States and they're, I guess they're, so I get a phone call and it's like, um, 
this guy in Europe or whatever and asking about Anstey. I'm an NBA scout for the Clippers. I've heard, and I'm like, he's thin, you know, doesn't have a left hand, started late, you know, doesn't, you know, I, boom, boom, you know, I'm, I'm going through the, you know, I hang up the phone and my wife goes, you know, you could be costing that kid a lot of money. And I saw it. So I pick up the phone and I call Dunlap and I go, do you think Anstey's a pro, right? And he goes, why do you think you're winning, mate? <laughs> you know, kind of gives me a bunch of shit, you know. So um, that's how I end up meeting Leon Rose. You know, I get put on to Leon Rose, get Leon Rose over to represent Chris Anstey. Anstey ends up getting picked the 16th guy in, in the draft. When I saw you, uh, Ken Shields told me, that's an NBA player, mate. <laughs> NBA player. So my my thought process was you was was that uh, and now I'm doing you know he was at this place didn't work out it was at this place it didn't work out <laughs> I'll have you know I'll have this but then Mart the Institute and you know I go okay well you know off off you go and um you know call this guy's NBA. This guy is going to be. That was my my thought process on it. And uh, last one, Andrew. Do you do you remember um, Owen? I drove. Oh Harry man, and, and Rick Majerus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that Rick shit. Majerus. Oh man, go ahead, <laughs> fill that, us in. That that was uh, five minutes into it. He's he's snoring his ass off. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's had a, you know, bless his heart. He's had a meal and a half. He's in the back and Carrie and I, I think it was, was it Bendigo? Yeah. He came out to watch Bendigo and he he wasn't really allowed to watch because it was a dead period, but you drove him up. Yeah. Yep. I drove him up and got you in the car coming back and, um, I'm sitting in the, uh, uh, I'm driving I think you, I can't remember if Carrie's next to you and the, but all I remember is that he was out for like, well, he like, was, he was berating me. Carrie. Yeah. He was berating me on, on the game and then mid conversation, he'd fall asleep <laughs> and then we were all just like looking at each other. And then 20 minutes later, he'd wake up and continue on with the conversation. <laughs> we were just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but that, 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 um, I mean, we could, I, I'd get your practice sessions and stuff. And I, you know, I've still, I remember Carrie, Carrie ended up being, and, and Rick um, was close with Ken Shields and said, this guy, um, best development player, you know, it, it'll be tough, but Andrew will be, you know, he'll, he'll be put, he'll be a pro. And everyone said he was a, an absolute, you know, well, you, I mean, you had him and I, I mean, his basketball mind was, was incredible. Um, I mean, he can yeah. remember every, I mean, he could remember everything from every game. I mean, the dude, no one, no, no, any leading scorer from every team that came and played us did not hit their numbers. I mean, but you know, he just couldn't balance out the berating. I just, you know, I've mentioned it on, on my other podcast where, you know, I've, I've seen him in numerous players, careers and almost lives, you know, where, where guys were just, you know, 
Mormon kids that have never heard a swear word before, like coming into that program. Yeah. And then like we had one guy disappear and he, um, Mormon kid, never drank, never smoked, smoked, never did anything. And then four months into the season, the kid disappeared. They found him up in the mountains with a beard, smoking weed, drinking alcohol. Like it was like insane, man. So, and, and, you know, it was, it was tough. It was a tough, a tough coach to handle. I, I really appreciated his basketball IQ, but everything else was, was definitely tough. And, and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be able to coach in today's era. There's, there's no chance in hell with, with camera phones and all that kind of stuff. It, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't last very long. I remember, I remember this is, uh, that there's a couple stories that I can't say that, that were, he had a hilarious, if, if you were on the other side, he had an unbelievable wit and say shit that just, and tell stories that I had him, uh, Lorenzo Romar and, uh, uh, Don Nelson at a table at the casino. And I was, I had tears running down my face. I was laughing so hard at Don Nelson and, uh, Majerus going at each other. Um, absolutely, Andrew, absolutely hilarious. And when that under, when you got, no, not you guys, when Maddie Nielsen and Dwight and Traher stacker and Bruce Palmerston, when they won that gold medal, um, I, I, yeah, he was coaching the USA team and I kind of chaperoned him a little bit. And, uh, I took him down to the Bill Paulus was running, uh, the crown back then. So I, I organized something at the crowns casino and we went out and had a meal there. And then we stopped and sat at the tables and I went, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm Mr. I always lose, but I play 21 you know, and, you know, 13 with a face showing six, you know, split, you know, the, how, how you play 11, you know, so he did something and I, and I wish I, I could remember, but it was the strangest thing. Like uh, I'm looking and going, what it, he lost. And then we got up off the thing and we started walking and he goes, you looked at me funny. You know, and I looked at him and I go, I got to say, Rick, you're, you're, you know, one of the best basketball minds I've ever been around. You're a smart dude, but that was the dumbest, you know, cause we'd gotten, you know, to the point where he, he'd, you know, take his fort can eat something off my plate, you know, say, you know, talk, you know, you know what I mean? We were just, uh, just, we're comfortable in each other's presence over the course of five or six days. And I just turned to him and said, cause he, he's not one to hold back giving you some shit like where'd you get those shoes or you know fuck that's a you know he'd let him go and i turned and looked and i go that had to be the dumbest fucking thing i've ever seen i thought it was like and he like analytics before analytics he started explaining it to me and when he went into the sub when he i go oh my god this guy it's like count card counting type shit you know, like, like this came up and this came up and then he drew that, you know, and did you notice there was two Kings and he called the man with the ax, you know, a set of, tit, you know, <laughs> Queens were a set of tits, the man with the ax, that's the Jack, you know, it, I mean, here puppy feet, that's, you know, a set a two of clubs. I, I'm like, 
wow. You know what I mean? It's like I've I've opened up something. I got no clue. Wow. But he was he was. Uh, but that uh, that period of time with you and uh, and Sandringham and then um, the whole experience that you went through um, leading into Athens was about uh, and you could about the pressure and I felt of the draft, you know, and, um, you know, that whole time in, you know, we went to Spain and you dominated. I mean, I'll never forget that tournament, Italy, sorry, Italy, when we went in there and you were, I mean, you were playing, um, unbelievable, unbelievable basketball for, for that in it, you know, you think back and it's kind of like Patty when he, when he, um, Beijing, he wasn't on my radar and then like sick. Oh shit. You know, wow. Uh, he's in, and then he becomes a major piece and you're ended up playing CJ and Patty together. And then you, it's like when you're preparing for Athens or whatever, and you're Phil Smythe and we win our, you know, I'm not thinking you, and then late boom. And, um, you know, it, it was what it was. It was the early stages, but you were, um, leading into it and at it, uh, you know, we added Shane, which was a, a dynamic to it that, you know, um, shot t- in, in servicing, but, um, a feature of that team, obviously in the, in the best player was yourself. Yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting time for me. I mean, just to finish off the national team, I mean, for me, um, it felt like, I guess, 04 and maybe 06 to an extent, not so much 08, but it felt like there were some times where we were, I wouldn't say making up the numbers, but we never really had a mindset of, um, we had a mindset of, we'll fight you and make you work for it, but we never had a genuine mindset around, we're actually going to medal, right? We, we thought, you know, we're going to make some noise, top eight, top four would be great, but, but it's kind of really changed and that was kind of the goal that myself patty joey had probably over the last six years it was it was no fuck that like we're not aiming for third or fourth or top eight we're we're, we're going to these tournaments to win you know i felt like some of these other teams early on no disrespect to those players it was an accomplishment just making the boomers and that was kind of it right it was i get to go on a tour with the boys we're going to battle but we don't really have a chance to win Whereas that's really changed now and I'm happy to be a part of that process. I'm kind of, it's a bittersweet feeling for me seeing what you guys did because I would have loved to have been a part of it. Just the body's said enough and, and that's that's kind of the FOMO in me. But at the same time, a tearful moment for me watching it, right? Take us through the bronze medal adjustment. So you, you guys, you made some comments around it and I've read them. Um, the USA game, we, we had control of that for, you know, a quarter and a half. I felt like the, the last three minutes really changed momentum. If we could have just kept that 10-point lead, I think we we probably sustained that third quarter run a little bit better and we're not down, you know, 15, 20. We're only down three or four, right? But your, com- your comments Correct. after that it's, game, it's- yeah, your, your comments after that game were interesting because – um, from what I've read is you, you went into the locker room and, and basically put it on the guy's chins about, hey, we've, we've fucking seen this story before, which we have twice that I've been a part of, is what are you guys going to do? Just just take us through kind of your mindset of a deflating loss, not deflating the tournament to actually go business well, to well, get that bronze. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a great, it's a great point you make because I, I think back when I – and you got to go – 
the point you're making, I not only the team, but and I'm just I, I'm to, it ain't totally honest. I look back, I, I, I wasn't, you know, when we went to Athens, I wasn't thinking metal, and um, when when we went to um, Beijing, uh, me personally, I you know my whole frame of mind was that it's going to be between us and Croatia to get to the next round. Got to beat Croatia or we're bombing out again. You know, before cuz uh, Athens we didn't move to the next round. We, we we and I and probably at that time after you know, we had 2 years to prepare, they didn't beat New Zealand, blah blah, you know. But going to the next one, it certainly wasn't you, you weren't talking about medals. You know, we're going to met, we're going to and um, what has transpired and what you're talking about now, um, the change from you guys, you know, and I, you know, my first Zoom conversation was yourself, Deli, uh, Aaron, uh, Patty and Joe, that five, um, an arrogance in my, of, of, you know, which became a calling card when I walked into this job of gold vibes only. And I, you know, like, you know, Andrew, the the hardest part of this whole process for me after being 12 years and, and watching, I was in China. I saw China. I watched, I mean, you guys played great basketball. You were inspiring. You had the, uh, culture of those teams we talked about earlier in this conversation um, and played great basketball. Why the fudge would you want to be me and walk back into this thing? And the only thing that is acceptable is a medal. Now me, and I'm being personally, I just have too much respect for Serbia, for Lithuania, for those teams didn't even end up making it. Team USA, France. Now you're totally a bum if you don't make the four. And now if you make the four and don't medal, it's been a disaster. So um, when you are a coach, when you're coaching, like right now to me, you know, and I'm in Australia and I've lived Australia, I wouldn't want, this is my personality at my age, I wouldn't want to take the Perth job. Bad job. You know, this, Illawar, on the beach, small community, my finish last, dead bottom, brand new ownership. Okay, so you get now phone call. Um, for, I have a conversation with Brett saying exit plan. You know, you're the guy. And, I, it's the, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm not the guy. Uh, you know, I'm not the guy. And um, through the conversation, Patty, Joe, Andrew, they have, this is it. This is Swan. This is the one. And they have a relationship with you. And um, now they're going to come into something. And if it's not, it's, it's somebody brand new they've had no experience with in, in this battle. And I thought to myself, you know what? Timing's everything. And he, you know, like it, it, I've always said with the boomers job, it's like the military. They want you to 
shag balls or scout or when you've been here as long as I have and been a part of BA and a part of the as long. Okay, I'm here to serve. And um, I talk to you guys and I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm in. But I'm um, as I go into this and I, I would be lying if I didn't visualize um, as a coach both sides of the coin. So when I went into this, Andrew, I visualized um, that locker room of losing and walking in there and not, not to Team USA, but being where we're going in and now we've lost and we're not playing the gold medal game. I, you know, okay, you visualize winning, you visualize losing all the way through this thing. What am, and I knew exactly where to get, and it didn't, nothing to do with Team USA. How we played in that game, the, the mistakes made, um, all of that, um, uh, um, learning from, got, got not on the radar, not on the radar. When I walked through those doors, and I'd, I'd, I'd done this script a million times, you know, okay, when I say elect, it's been how many times have they been in the top four? To get to the top four, you end up playing these two games, and they've lost every single time. So you come into the locker room, and it's gold vibes only. And to me, gold vibes only was not the medal. I took gold vibes only, and what was different from when you were there and things you fought during my era was gold standards only. When we walked in the gym, it was pristine. When the music was playing, it, was, it wasn't, there was no American, it was all Australian music. The Tory Island flag, the Aboriginal flag, the Australian flag, the shoes were new, were designed, were perfect. The socks, everybody's clean, perfect. The cuts of the uniform were proper. The colors, it wasn't pea green and a funny color yellow. It was, you know what, I, and I know you know what I'm talking about. It's the food, the room, the things that we fought, it's, it's like gold. So um, when I walked in that locker room, you know, after we lost, it's like, you know, everybody's heads down. Um, there's bottles everywhere. People are crying. And I'm like, you know, I want your eyes. I want your eyes. Have a, I go, you know, and the, the swear you talk about Majerus, what came out of my mouth. I can't, you know, but it was bang, 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 bang. And hey, man, you've never gold my app. We've never meddled. You've responded to this like like nobody forever all right and it's you know back straight head up out of the locker room proud and you know this is a tournament this is a battle that was now all eyes the whole country's watching us and you talk about a special culture it is what good is it if it's just the 15 guys in this room you know, everybody, the whole country is going to be watching this. You get to put yourself on display for the most important game of your life. And you're crying, your head's down, you're fucking kicking lockers, 
go away, go away. And, you know, and, and you know this, everybody, your agent's going to call, you know, you're going to make plans now for where you go for holidays. When you come into the village, the girl, everything around you, loser, loser, tournaments over, you're out, you're fudging done, you know, everything around you. All right. So, I mean, I went into that thing as hard as I've ever been at anything. And I felt um, absolutely like I'm going on the other side, totally fearless now, totally fearless. Bring, you know, bring, uh, um, you know, give me, a, I'll, I'll headbutt somebody. I'm, I'm just like, um, and I, I knew um, I had them. And uh, when we got there, inside story on it all, is um patty and joe you know we're, we're we're you know everything that leadership um pressure on er, you know um how do i say it um competent you know practice the practice plan what what are we doing this week what is the drill what are we trying to get done what's and i always said to maddie and to capes and to uh you know um the staff, John, um, you know, what's, what's next? Cause that's the, okay. You, you do that. What's next? You know, you better come in that gym and you better be ready and you better be organized and you better be calm. And it's the same that they were with each other. I, I mean, the, they would, um, tell me, um, we need to do this on these on, and, and you know, and I mean, I've, I've, one of the things I've, saw in this group and they've been with the best they've been around the best in the world i can learn from them but it, when it finished i had final say and that and that was what i you know like if i turned around and said hey you know and maddie was a tremendous piece in all this did a lot of the verbals but um when i said no we're doing this they did it we're doubling the on ball and you're Patty, you're low on the eye. And that wasn't familiar. And, you know, I'm winning that one. Sorry, we're not going another way. So I'm giving you an example, but there was a lot of examples offensively. You know, hey, coach, this this ain't, you know, we're better here. So when the thing finished and I did my bit, what wasn't we went back to the room and uh Patty and Joe, that there was a meeting and they, they came down and, and basically it was, um, you know, this is how, uh, doc Luca, you know, we'd been trying to do some stuff with people that were in the back court and not, not happening with him. It needs length. It need, which meant, you know, Tybal. So Tybal means Delhi to the bench which means putting the ball in Patty's hands, which had not been our system leading into that game. It was, Patty was a main feature, but he was getting the ball delivered to him where this final game, and, and that was strong from the leadership group. So um, that's, uh, I thought to myself, um, when you talk about Patty Mills, a lot of times, and and you you know what I'm talking about is um, you get to guys that say things like gold vibes only or go. Now you get 
to where um, the rubber meets the road and that guy doesn't want to borrow it. You know, he did, you get to the final or whatever and Mr. Motormouth, you know, where are you now? Well, you know, I said, you know, it's delivered to my door and I, Patty and those, um, Nielsen and I think uh, um, the assistants, just uh, again, that group, we sit in the room in there and they look at me like kind of like, what are you going to do? And I'm, I'm looking at them like, I am so pumped that this guy is our guy and um, he's, he wants the ball. And I go, here's what, we're, you know, we're going to put the ball in his damn hand. That's what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, obviously the rest is history. But that um, was a, a tremendous, and you asked the question and started this with the difference, um, what you're talking about in the mindset and what you and that group have gone mentally and culturally was that's why I needed two days with my mouth shut. And um, what he now, you're not there. Baines isn't there. Delhi hasn't played all year. He's been on his bench, on the bench, had concussed, came into the camp, hadn't played basketball for the whole season. So that big five, you're trying to get him back. He's doing everything he possibly can, but it's been a whole year. You're not there. Um, Baines isn't there. So you're, you're looking and going, um, wow, um, he's still talking gold vibes. And now we're crunch time and he wants, I, let's put this thing here, 12 years of work, let's go. And um, that was, um, there's a lot of move. You know, you remember your Olympics certain times, I'm sure certain moments. It was like uh, it, 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 you know, I knew where I was at mentally and uh, I'll, I'll where he was, was um, unbelievably, um, unbelievably impressive. And uh, the finisher on this whole conversation was, um, again, mentally. And where you go is a coach um, of, and I told you visual, visualization, you know, uh, Valvano talks about the team practice cutting down the nets. You have that. But again, you've got to visualize when you're the other side and how are you going to handle it? And I got that next day um, uh, after I went where I went, we talked like we talked and I Patty and Joe, and we're waiting till 7.30 at night to play after the uh, gold medal game's been decided. You're sitting around, and I'm in my room, and i am never been in like this about or before a game. And I, I tell it the reason was I had nothing, a zero, for coming back into that room. And I keep saying this to you like you know what I'm talking about, but I'm saying it because you've been much more a part of this than I have. And you've been through it all the way till the last drop. So you know what walking into that room would be like for you if we would have lost and you're part of that team now like Patty and Joe all the way and you lost to Slovenia. 
what do I come in and say, you know, clap my hands and say, hey, we're going to get everyone back and we're going to go. Man, there was nothing, nothing for it. And that um, uh, was the adrenaline going through me, going through that team for that game was um, uh, I, you know, like I said, I mean, I, <laughs> when I knew we had it won, the relief was incredible. But um, that I, I kept saying to myself, man, during the day, what do I come into the locker room with if we've gotten to this point and it does and I, I didn't have anything. Yeah, and it's better off not even thinking about it because we got it done. I think it's it will go down as, as the best moment in Boomer's history and hopefully in the future it's not. And that's I'm saying that in a um in a polite way because hopefully we can get silver and gold real quick. I know we're um, going, we're on two hours here, but we can chat all day. I, I want to just do some quick hitters with you so I don't go too deep into these, moving on from the bronze medal game. But give me the, what's the best NBL team you've ever coached? That really puts me on the spot. Um, really puts me on the spot. The best talent, 1992. 1992, the first one with the magic when Rob Rose came in. Um, that team was, uh, started the season 10 and 0 lot, but, but just mowed the competition down. And then the, the, that again, Rob Rose added to that. And then the dragons team, when you go through the, the roster of that team, Dante Smith, Tramel Darden and be, ended up being international juggernauts. And then you had Joe Ingles, Mark Worthington, give, you know, you go right through that lineup. Um, when those two became what they became, uh, those guys are, you know, Euro league le legends, uh, that team and, and coming from last to first. So 92. And so the first one and the last one were the, they're all wonderful, but the first and the last. What about best team you've ever coached? Would that be the, the, the boomers team we just spoke about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, the, the, the you, again, for me, the, the big thing on that, we talked about the culture and everything, but offensively, you got to, I have like five practices. And Maddie kept saying to me, you know, we'd, we'd put something up and he'd say, and then they just do shit. <laughs> they used to throw you that ball on the elbow. And I know, you know, that splits or whatever that, you know, okay, don't set the on ball, throw it to him. And I'd, I'd go, you know, so I'm watching all the offensive clips now for my, you know, what did I, you know, I'm going, I didn't, I never, we put it there. They, they just do shit. Uh, Joe passed at the end. Joe, they just wanted to get Luca on Patty. So that's not a, something I orchestrated. You know, last three or four minutes, we need five. You know, Joe goes over and screens. Uh, get uh, doesn't throw it back. Throw it back to Joe. Joe gets off. Luca switches on spread. I mean, they just do shit. And um, that the Tybal Dante thing took it to another level defensively. And then on the offensive end, I've never, I've never coached anything like that group. They, they just like they instinctive and play like that offensively with five days of practice. Um, I know they've got a lot of years behind them, but again, a lot of new faces. 
Nice. Okay. Best, the best NBL player you've ever coached. Very tough. Oh, career ha- have to be Jason Smith as, as a, as it's like, who's the best player that, and you say, Andrew Gaze, he's not, but as an NBL, um, Sydney magic and, you know, going way back to the magic when we won our first one in 92 and we had McKinnon and we had McKinnon was there. Anstey was there. Maybe it was 96. What that group of all young guys together. And Bill Nelson came up to me afterwards and said, I go, you know, uh, Jason Smith, I'm not saying he's, I'm not a basketball coach, but he's going to become the closest to the best of what he's got. And I think that about Jason, you know, um, when you look at Sam, when you look at Frank, when you look at Anstey, when some became better players or some had better, but is close to being the best they can be in consistency year after year, um, uh, career NBL, it'd have to be Jason. The great person too, most of all. So really enjoyed working with Jason throughout my career as well. Okay, best play you've ever coached overall? I'm not just saying this. Um, the best talent I've ever had on the floor, you. And uh, that was uh, not Anstey too, um, but the, the most talented player walking into the gym and um, coaching uh, not, and it's, it's, it's not even a close one. And it, uh, we forgot to the, where it became really factual was that we didn't talk and you said the three things and we forgot about the game in Sydney when you were with the under 19s, um, and what you did to the boomers squad then, but no. And I, I just, uh, I don't know if you remember, but, um, when you were young, you, again, you became, you know, like bang with Shaq or bang with Yao or bang. But when I had you young, when we played that game in Italy or whatever, you know, you could sh- stroke the three. You were, you know, you were lively and bouncy and had unbelievable hands and unbelievable. You had all those things. Old, but when when I had you, when you were you were before the end, you were lively as hell at seven feet tall. So um yeah you appreciate it it make me cry mate um biggest biggest regret in your career uh, the, the the thing that, that that hits me the hardest it's I, i'm not saying regret i uh the hardest thing for me in bat my whole was tony ronaldson was um uh the the the, the issue of and then letting him go um uh, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my, that was like my son. And, uh, I had to do something really hard. Um, so I, you know, I try to live with no regrets. So it's not really, I, I think that in the long term helped him. But if you say the, in, 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 in my time, a lot of times it's, it's been an import or it's been going to somebody and breaking their heart. That hasn't, it's just, you know, it doesn't work. It, 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 I got to let you go, Milt Newton or what, but, but the hardest thing I've ever done in the game was uh, severing ties with Ronaldson. Yeah. Legend, legend of the game, a tough one. Your biggest success. Uh, the, the boomers. I mean, that's, uh, 
it's it's nothing you you guy you, you know how much work you put it you know that um nothing'll nothing'll mess with that i mean even whatever happens next and if i was involved in that this thing doing it the first time and doing it with that group that was and what it meant to them and again i i, I felt all of that and uh i've never I, I still feel it um i'm still emotional about it and people say if you let it go no no i haven't let it go it was something you learn with age yeah the, the part about it all i think that's amazing is if you looked back if I told you 12 years ago that a top four finish or a fourth place finish would be a failure with the national team, you would have slapped me inside the head. And that's that should be celebrated that the, the national team now has a mentality of that's not good enough for us. Like we want more. And, and to think that that would have happened back when I first started with the national team when we were both involved early on in that tenure, you'd, you'd never think we'd get to this point as a country of 26 million people. And people in the basketball community should celebrate that and appreciate where we're at as a basketball nation. Um, I think it's, it should be celebrated and spoken about more. Give me the favorite, your favorite place you've ever lived. <laughs> oh man. It, it, it used to not even be a doubt. It used to be Melbourne, not a doubt. Um, I'm right there with you. It's, a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Australia, but I'm, I, and I told you earlier, I'm, I'm falling in love with the coast. And as I speak to you right now, so, you know, to go and visit, there's a lot of places to go and visit. But when whenever you do that, whether it's Spain, whether it's we've all done it with the Boomers national team, you go to different places in America, but there's nothing like Australia. And I left my love to come as i said i it wasn't a paid deal it was i i fell in love with this place and right now um i like the coastline so you know if it was like we up by the gold cup but right now i'm in the gong and i'm up by this north shore and um you know and it sounds corny to be saying where i am right now but i i, I love uh the warmth and i love being around the water and I, I like a nice community. So we spend time, my family spends time in Sorrento. Um, now you got the warm weather here. Um, I like the coastline of Australia. Yeah, beautiful. Not a bad place to be. I'm just going to finish off with a couple of minutes of some funny. You are one funny bastard. People wouldn't really um, know that. You're you're a quirky, funny fella at the best of times for a coach. And it's kind of strange because you are you are a hard-nosed coach, but you have that balance of sense of humor off the floor. I'm just going to run through a few things. And, and if you want to tack on these stories, you can. Your fingers are all bent, every single one of them. So when you point people out half the time, we'd have no idea who you were pointing to. I still remember the tour of China in 2006 leading into the world championships um you bought every fake watch known to man i think you had 20 something at one point i'm um, talking rolexes all the fake ones so much so that a, a glass face fell off a watch while you were rebounding for us one day i don't know if you remember that <laughs> smashed all over the floor I do. and I was you, say, you I actually was... gave one to an import i believe um as a gift did you not and he thought it was a real one yeah yeah i, I yeah that's true that's true and uh, I've had they've they've gotten bugs they've gotten really good now, and I I was around I I told you that one of the thing I'm not a man that's got money but in basketball what happens is you're around a lot of people with wealth 
So those owners that we talk about, a lot of them like a Ruffy Jaminda or a Mark Cowan or Bill Moss or, you know, those people I stay in touch with. And one I had a meal with and I was reaching for a glass of something, a red or whatever, and I go and grab it and I'm, I'm pulling it in. And he goes, where did you get that watch? And it was a Philippe Patek, you know, one of those, you know, and it's it's about, yeah, Patek. So I found out later, it's like about a $40,000, $38,000 watch. And he looked at it, he looked at me and he goes, he goes, where did you get that right away? Where did you get that watch? And I said, oh, I, you know, I collect watches. And he goes, you know, I know it's fake. But he goes, the only reason and the only way I know it's fake is because you're wearing it, you know, because he kept he grabbed my arm and look at it. And he goes, it looks so goddamn. Real. And he was of, a, of of an elk that would know the watch. You know what I mean? And he's looking at it like that son of a is real. And I used to say to because I had a gal that made clothes that did the watches and whatever. I don't. I don't do the fake stuff. I don't do the fake, you know, nah, I'm a, you know, so we fly into the, and there's the, the, when we get to Dong Guan and play, it's like flying in. I go, go see this gal. So Ike Diagu went and he was one that was totally anti, came back, still ordered like 20 suits, had like 30 watches, Rolexes, <laughs> Britley, you know, the stuff has gotten incredible. <laughs> so yes, I am. And, and it did drop off at a training center and I was throwing passes to Sam McKinnon and we had to pick the hands up off the free throw line. <laughs> oh, classic. The last one I'll get to is you're, you're a basketball savant. So you're always thinking about basketball, but to be polite at times off the floor. You're not, not the most organized remembering things so much so that the national teams would give you a laptop most times and, and you'd lose it. You'd leave it on planes. And I remember the story that um, I guess you'd lost one or almost lost one. And you had taken your shoe off on a plane, tied it to a laptop bag, put it in the overhead thinking I'm going to, you know, I'll know my shoes off. I'll get my shoe. I'll, I'll remember the bag and found yourself walking in the airport without a shoe. True. That is the most everyone now. When I, I've come back, I've been back a year. Every person, when I do an interview, that story is, and it's, I did get, I didn't get, I wasn't at baggage claim with one shoe on, but I did. <clears throat> it was a trip to Perth and I was nodding. We were playing in Perth. I was not, and I was half out and I got up. And I started walking down and I got to business class from economy and I looked down and I go, shit, <laughs> I've only got one shoe on. I've let and everyone went nuts. I got two Great. more for you yeah. and then you can go. Are you going to be coaching the boomers again? Um, in discussion, we're, we're, uh, hasn't been finalized yet, but, uh, again, if, if I'm just, trying to come if, if I'm if I'm right for this next phase but I, I certainly enjoyed it um, I'm certainly got the passion it, it we're, we're just going through that now but uh, it's 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 in discussion 
well, hopefully we have you. I think Basketball Australia to get that done. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, we're all hopeful that the Boomers can get uh, a silver or a gold in the next decade. I think it's definitely achievable. Loving what you've done there. Look, you've been a big part of my career. You've been a big part of basketball in Australia. I think often forgotten about at times because of your hiatus over there in China for, for a good, good bit of a decade. But you're in your fifth decade of coaching, which is unbelievable in itself. Um, and I think you know you need to continue to do good things in basketball, but I appreciate you joining Rogue Bogues. I hope some NBL and even NBA fans um, enjoy these stories because I think they're really cool, but we could we could go on for another five hours, I reckon. <laughs> I agree. You're you're great to yap to, follow you re- religiously and enjoy the hell out of your stuff and uh, you have a great time and uh, looking forward to... Uh, you know, when things open up, uh, a, a meal in a in a red. So, really, really enjoyed it.